In the name of Christ, who was and is and is to come. Amen. The story of the Holy Family's flight into Egypt occupies just a few lines in Matthew's Gospel. But in those few verses, we move from the warm glow of Christmas into the world's harsh realities. John's great and poetic prologue, which we heard last week, starts with the words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and ends with a marvelous assurance that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Great words, those, and true, but Matthew wants to put a little flesh on those poetic bones. So while we get to savor the scene of the baby born in Bethlehem, and then the coming of the three wise men with their remarkable gifts, we're quickly, as the story turns, thrust back into life as we know it, into a world that can be pretty dark. And if, like me, you've been following the news for the last couple of days, we know how dark it can be. Reality actually appears as the wise men come within hailing distance of the stable on their way there, reminding us that the Christian story we love actually has always taken place in the real world. The wise men, you see, check in with King Herod for directions. They needed those directions. It was also the politically correct and polite thing for them to do. While Herod feigns interest in coming to worship this newborn king, his real intentions towards the baby are not worship, but murder. As Jay Sidebotham, a friend to this parish and the head of Renewal Works, has pointed out, the Christmas story is not only full of grace, but also of truth, the whole truth. Love may have been born at Christmas, but we need God's love because evil is at work in the world then and still. We see what the collision of grace and truth, God's truth, looks like first in the lives of Mary and Joseph. A collision that starts when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Mary, up until that point, as we know, was simply a young girl, barely an adolescent, minding her own business, looking forward to her upcoming wedding, and living in a small town in Israel. But once she says yes to the angel, once Mary says yes to God's plan that she become the mother of God, her world is upended. She whose life had been utterly predictable is now at risk of rejection by her family, by the man she is to marry, and by her community. Young though she is, she is wise enough to know that if God has chosen her, the God of Israel is clearly about upending not only her life, but the world's life and its usual ways as well. We hear her proclaim that realization 
when she gives voice to the Magnificat, that wonderful hymn, that song that springs from her lips. But that song is also a manifesto announcing that the child she carries is not all right with the ways of the world. And so as the lowly have been lifted up, the proud shall be scattered in their conceit. The hungry shall be filled and the rich sent away empty. How we hear those words depends in large measure on where we sit in the world. But Mary has already discovered that God's truth and the world's truth are not on the same plane and certainly not on the same course. And what of Joseph, the hero in Matthew's telling of the story? He was a man with a good trade and a secure future and righteous before God, a righteousness which is put to the test when he is asked to risk shame and notoriety by taking this pregnant girl as his wife. It is a test he passes, for he does take Mary, but it comes with a cost, a continuing cost, because saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to Jesus is not a one-time proposition. It's a lifetime commitment for Mary and for Joseph. They could never have imagined that they would be running for their lives. But despite all the beautiful art for the flight into Egypt, that is what they are doing. That is where we find them, all because of their yes to God and their love of Jesus. They flee to avoid Herod's murderous rage. They flee becoming refugees to save the life of the child who has been born to them and born for the sake of the world. Love for Jesus puts Mary and Joseph at risk. Love for Jesus in this story joins them irrevocably to the lives of the poor and the persecuted and those who must flee to find a way in the world. On the run, uncertain of the future, fearful for their child's safety, and having to be far more aware than they would ever have imagined about who is in power in this world. We hear no more of Joseph after they settle in Nazareth, but we know that Mary will, for the love of him, have to watch as her child is hunted by the authorities and will put herself at risk yet again to bear witness to his death at the hands of the state. As we come to the end of Christmas Christmastide, taking down the trees and packing up the ornaments, we do well to remember that loving Jesus, saying yes to Jesus, is not a one-time proposition, not for us any more than for Mary or Joseph. It is a lifetime commitment. It leads us on unexpected and sometimes unwelcome journeys. It leads us to sacrifice the life we know 
for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the kingdom still to come. William Temple, the Archbishop of York and then of Canterbury in the first half of the 20th century, once spoke of the sacrifice that loving Jesus exacts, saying that the principle of sacrifice is that we choose to do or to suffer that would apart from our love, we would not choose to do or to suffer. Christmas asks us to choose love, to choose Jesus, but requires that in choosing him, we acknowledge that we have chosen to do things we would not otherwise do and suffer things we would rather not suffer. Jesus came into our world bearing grace and truth. The truth of the world is that power is what matters most, that who you know is more important than who you are, and that those who go along get along. The truth of the gospel, the truth that Jesus proclaims and is, and that his mother announced in the Magnificat, is that God's love upends that truth, upends the world's evil, and that love is stronger than death. It would cost him everything to prove it so. But the grace, the costly grace that Jesus brings, demands that we too name evil and with him take it head on. For only then will we be able to truly see that light shining in the darkness. May we say yes to Jesus this Christmas tide and in all our lives, that we might say no to darkness. And then, even should we find ourselves in the midst of battle, know God's grace, God's truth, and see God's light. Amen.